Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Uh, today we're reading from the Big Book, and we are currently on page XVII. That's in the forward to the second edition, the second paragraph. It begins, a second small group promptly took shape, and that paragraph ends with, entered the dark world of the alcoholic. And we're just going to read the one paragraph. Today's readers, we have Carol Q on the 12 steps, Laura K on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Emily D, Nancy T, and Lisa B. And then we have our, our newcomer greeter uh, is going to be Lisa O, and then the host for the second hour is Betsy H. Let me give you the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, March 2nd. Uh, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 18,623. That's 18623. For the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 18,624. Uh, Easy for me to say. 18624. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. We neither uh, accept nor solicit outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating compulsive food behaviors, and then we carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, uh, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So at this point, Carol Q, would you be kind enough to read the 12 steps? Good morning. It's Carol Q, a recovered compulsive overeater in Ontario, Canada. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to share. I'll pass. Thank you, Carol Q. Appreciate that. Okay, Laura Kay, it's your turn on the 12 traditions. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. This is Laura Kay, gratefully recovered in New York State. It's 12 traditions about Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend an OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based upon attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Laura. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it is uh, six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, just press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then, of course, press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we're going to resume our study of the big book. We are on page XBII. That's in the forward to the second edition. And it is the second paragraph that begins, a second small group promptly took shape. It's going to end with enter the dark world of the alcoholic. And Emily D., she's going to get us rocking and rolling here. Emily, good morning. 
Good morning, Larry. Uh, this is Emily D., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Chicago. Hi, family. Hi, team. Uh, and thank you for your service, everybody. Service by being here. Okay, here we go. A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. And you know what? If that isn't God, I don't know what is because a bunch of drunks trying to make something happen, forming groups, being together, you know, making an effort towards something that they can't understand is wild to me. I mean, I think um, there's a certain amount of of God and trust and faith or spirituality or universe or higher power that got you here this morning to vision. And especially if you're new and you're like, I think I'm going to call into this phone number and see what the hell happens when I do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had so many fixed ideas about what my day is going to look like, how it's going to start, and how it's going to end. And when I was in the food, it was with a few different things. I never got enough sleep. I never had enough time. I didn't have enough, uh, enough, enough room in my day to do the things I wanted to do. And now look at all of us. Like we're on a call to get the message. And yes, our life depends on it. There's also this new light. And when I call into vision, I get the light. Um, When I first uh, recovered two years ago, this call saved my life, saved my life. I couldn't believe it. Um, And, you know, just that there are still groups forming, you know, I, I, of course, I can't help but talk about like our past two years. 1935 to 1937, a lot happened, but holy cow, 2020 to 2022 was a doozy, and here we are, you know, and without you, we wouldn't, I wouldn't have the light, I really wouldn't, I wouldn't even have access to it, and so I'm just really sort of, um, sort of smiling about, you know, look, they picked up some basic ideas, they tried to form some groups, you know, there was enough kind of spirit in them to say, hey, there's a lot of good here. We should, we should keep going. And I don't know that they necessarily did it perfectly, right? I'm going to bet not because we're going to read about how the traditions got formed pretty soon. <laughs> but it's like they did it. They did it. And so to me, the invitation is like make the move, take the action. What's one thing I can do today to be, you know, courageous uh, or to, to, do, to do something that I don't want to do today? Because I have to, I feel compelled to, because it's part of how I live now as a recovered woman. And if that feels like a lot to ask for a newcomer, you know, slow and steady. Got on the call. Here we go. Um, And so with that, I will pass. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Emily. We got a special place in our heart for Cubs fans, but that's another story for another time. Thanks, Emily. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others may share as well. Uh, so with that, I'm gonna, we're going to open it up to sharing. Uh, if you'd like to share, just give me your first name and last initial. Jackie B. Jackie. Elena C. Serena P. 
I heard Melissa Elena with, and Melissa. Did yeah. I hear Arena? Dana. Dana. Elena. Oh, Dana. 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 Okay. Oh, and Elena. Elena. Okay. And then I got Melissa. Who else? Christina J. Christina. Lisa N. from Wisconsin. Lisa N. from the cheese head up that way. Okay. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? I say that with love, right? All right, here's what I heard. I heard Jackie, Dana, Elena, Melissa, Christina, and Lisa. Was there anybody else that I missed? Okay, let's start us off with Jackie, followed by Dana. Jackie, good morning. Good morning. Hi, can I be heard? You Um, can. Okay, this is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you so much, Larry, and everyone who's doing service today. Um, for me, you know, it's it's amazing because um, my whole lifeline is this big book today. When I first walked into these rooms, I was angry. I was hateful because I felt that this was all my father's fault because he was the alcoholic and he didn't get this book. Um, and yet, I am the exact alcoholic except with food. Um, I came in angry i understood that my whole life revolved around eating because i couldn't deal with life on life's terms and it was only through coming in the room and people saying hi jackie how are you um you want to go for a cup of coffee afterwards or do you want to talk later um that i started to finally realize that the world was bigger than just me trying to hold on. You know, I thought that, you know, candy and cookies and all that stuff would keep me, you know, calm and to stay, you know, and say ate me while I tried to navigate through life and realize I wasn't navigating anything. What I was trying to do is control and ask the food to hold me up. And as we know, food goes in and food comes out. It doesn't stay. But people do. Recovery does. If you work this program, if you work through the steps as quickly as you can and face those fears, face those anxieties, then recovery is yours. And then you share it with other people. Because let me tell you, if it's making me crazy, you better believe it's making other people crazy. And they need to know that there is a solution if they're willing to work for it. You know, go through that ring. Go through that eye of that needle. And you will find the recovery and the, that no matter what happens, no matter what you face, death, happiness, marriage, life, birth, you know, promotions, not promotions, firing, COVID, you will survive because the program and the fellowship support us. And the book book gives us a guide. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Jackie. Okay, next up we have Dana, followed by Elena. Dana, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, um, Dana P. Here I'm in California. I recovered from compulsive overeater, and um, wow, thank you for your service. And this paragraph, um, I, I hear my fellows, my friends, whom I'm connected to. Um, uh, so far here speaking, and uh, it's just amazing to me, and I think about this paragraph uh, about these small groups that are popping up, and, you know, it starts with one, and uh, either God is 
everything or nothing, you know, which do I choose? Well, for me, it's everything, and it's that connection. Um, It's absolutely that connection, and it's a vibration for me. And so I think once something gets started, then it's it has no other way to go but um, expansion, expansion. And so this program continues to expand and expand and expand, and not necessarily because somebody went there and told them about this program. I think it's a it's a vibration, you know, this this God thing. It's an absolute um, vibration, and it goes out into the ethers, if you will. And it's been said, and it's continuously said, this idea of the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And that doesn't necessarily mean hand-to-hand, although a hug is great. Um, But, you know, there's my friend Jackie over in the Bronx, and I'm in California, and we're connected. Um, We've spoken, we connect by text, and, and there's Larry, these people that I I know, and they're little sparks of the divine, sparks of God, whether it be in Akron, Ohio, or New York, you know, there they are, and uh, it's this this idea of spontaneity, and yesterday, uh, there was a question that was asked on the line, and just as I was unmuting, someone else was unmuting, and I'll be doggone if that person did not respond with exactly the same thing I was going to respond with, the promise of God is doing for us uh, what we couldn't do for ourselves, but really it was that promise of we will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. And there I was, totally baffled yet not baffled because that is the truth of it. You know, God lives that divine spark in each and every one of us. And that is how we're connected. Um, So I'm going to pass with that. I'm just really in awe of this idea of these little God spots popping up everywhere. These sparks of the divine popping up everywhere um, when we're on, on that path, you know, to connection. So thanks so much. And I'm going to pass. Oh, it's good to hear you, Dana. Thank you. Okay, we have Elena followed by Melissa. Elena, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Hi, Chicago. <laughs> Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina. Gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I just love to to kind of learn about the history of how AA was formed. And in this paragraph particularly speaks about just, you know, more groups were formed, more alcoholics got sobriety, more alcoholics learned spirituality. And light, I looked through the definition of light because that's what struck me in this paragraph. And um, it says something that clears your vision, something that without it you, you can't see. How powerful. Because, you know, for me, with a, I, with, uh, my eyes of a compulsive overeater were not clear because I saw the reality the way that I needed to see the reality to protect myself, first of all, from maybe the shame of being an addict. Um, and then, you know, in the groups that I attended, there was the light, this light that cleared out the other people's vision, you know, and luckily I had ears to listen, although at first my my head was spinning, but then slowly when my, my 
higher power did miracles of my brain and on my ears. And um, I started listening, you know, and they were speaking about this light. People's vision was clear because they had God. And um, this light and like everybody, like someone else said, the way we are all connected, that's that's it. That's the light. We're connected through through this light. You know, and because I stay in, in the steps, I stay in this community, I reach out with my amazing higher power, you know, provide service for others. Today, I am glad to say that the light, I have access to it, and I can turn towards it anytime I want to, to kind of, to kind of, embrace it and to kind of breathe it in i breathe in this light every day and and that's how i have my light within and my light around and my the one that comes from each one of you so it's the way we're all connected to me is is through this invisible light that is clearing our vision and helps us and helps me see the reality, see my condition, and then more than that, heal. It's a healing life. Heals wounds, heals what happened in my body and mind by being an addict. And I'm very, very grateful for that with that up path. Thanks, Elena. Okay, now batting for the Yankees. Melissa C. Hey, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm in New York, and I, you know, um, I love how the paragraph ends. That what is it that brings new light? You know, to to myself, to the dark past, to the suffering. It's people with. It says with substantial, I, I don't have the book in front of me, but it, it was like substantial um, sobriety. And, and I know for myself what, you know, I came into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, um, not for the first time, but um, I was in a, enough pain. I was desperate enough. And I walked into a meeting and... What gave me, like, new light and new hope was there were people there who, was like, every time I returned, those same people were still there, and they hadn't changed one bit. They were still, when I say that, I mean it with a big smile, like, they hadn't changed one bit. They, they were happy, joyous, and free, and they were in normal-sized bodies, and they had substantial periods of, of entire abstinence behind them, and... You know, um, and I was in a very dark spot, right? And I walk in and, you know, no um, attitude of holier than now. You know, nobody spoke to me from a spiritual hilltop. Nobody um, spoke to me as if I was inferior to them. Nobody um, said things like, you know, well, we're being good and you were being bad, which is what I always said. Um, But they had embraced, you know, a simple a simple set of directions. And what I think is amazing is that um, people with substantial abstinence, substantial recovery, have, have had some long-term recovery behind them. 
those people have inspired me because it tells me that they can get through weddings, divorces, deaths, you know, disappointments, new jobs, and and never have the pull of the food again. And, you know, for someone like me, all my life up until, you know, a number of years ago now, every single problem was only only pointed me to the food as a solution. I had nothing else more creative in my sleeve than that, you know. Um, and it didn't matter what the circumstances were. It always meant go eat, you know, no matter what it was. And um, so people with substantial recovery, they gave me hope. Because they told me not that life was going to be perfect, but that um, I could actually navigate my way through life and have a new experience without running to the food. And the other thing I just want to say briefly is that I've been involved in lots of different little groups along the way in my life, and the things that seem to die are the things that are all ego, and the things that seem to grow and and blossom, like this fellowship, are things where our hearts and minds are attuned to the needs and interests of other people. And I'm just really grateful to be here with all of you, and um, thanks for that I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, next up is Christina, followed by Lisa. Christina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for your service. Christina J. State of Washington recovered for today with God's grace. And I figured if I could get life right, that my food problem would go away. And, uh, And I also figured that if I get my brain chemistry right, that my food problem would go away. I mean, these were my two solutions that I chased for 100 years. And I would do, uh, in the beginnings, I would do these uh, intense spiritual retreats. I mean, I did some intense ones, and I felt like I found the light. I found the answer. And then I would go back away from this spiritual retreat, and uh, I would walk into, like, a convenience store and the bright neon lights and the people getting off work, say, on Friday night, all pissed off and buying beer, and I was back into the real world, back into the uncomfortableness the light that I thought I found, you know, didn't stay with me. I'd go home, I'd tell my husband about this wonderful thing I did, and he was staring at the TV going, yeah, right, you know, what's for dinner? So um, (laughs) it was a struggle, you know, and then I started going into the rooms of OA, and there seemed to be light in there, but I, I couldn't hold on to it. I would go back out of the meeting, same thing like the spiritual retreat, and I would go have a binge, or I'd hang on for a few days, or I'd white-knuckle. What a damn way to live. Very uncomfortable. When I found vision, I, I found a light for the first time I'd never heard before, I'd never seen before. I was elated, and I was a deer in the headlights for several years with that light. But I kept coming back to that light. You know, all through the years, the spiritual retreats, the OA groups, and vision, I kept coming back because I tried everything and nothing was working. But this this light I found in vision, these recovered people, I mean, I wanted it. And I just started doing what people were telling me to do. And I didn't do so well for many years. But then I finally had the grace of God come and show me that to get to the light every day was action. I had to walk towards that light every day. And, you know, I have to tell you that today, <clears throat> besides my own personal actions of 10, 11, and 12, Working with sponsees is the greatest light in my life. I had I finished one up. She's out there now. I immediately put my name out. I got another one last night, and she's a true joy. We were laughing and sharing how we were going to go through the work. And um, I, I can't get that in life uh, with all the other routines I did. 
this is a daily thing. And I, I this program is like, um, <laughs> you know, steps and tools, and we take them every day, and we get that light. We walk towards that light. It's like the light of God in our souls because service it's not just personal. It's not just to get skinny. It's not just to get my brain chemistry right. It's to be of service. Now, who would have thought of that? I was selfish for 60 years. You know, selfish about me. I'm going to get skinny. I'm going to have a career. I'm going to show you what I can do. I can prove to the world that I am lovable. No, not about that anymore. And thank God that was such a heavy weight. Thank you for letting me share. And uh, I'm so I'm just uh, on fire today because of my sponsees. So <laughs> love you all. I, sh- I-, I pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christina. Okay, neighbor up in Wisconsin. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Hey, Larry. Hey, Larry. Thanks so much for your service today. Sure. And I used to be a real cheesehead, actually, before the program. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, what I loved, I heard somebody uh, say something about the pandemic, and and right away it made me think about, like, miners, you know, in the dark all those like men working in a mine and you know they have to get out because something is crumbling around them and uh, they're going to die if they don't and they scramble together and they help each other and they somebody lights a candle and then they pass that light to somebody else and it gets lighter and lighter in there and they're all working together scrambling and that's kind of how it felt with the pandemic and so many of those meetings, the Zoom meetings, and there was a special meeting on Saturday mornings that just saved my life. And it really, it really speaks to how I feel like higher power lights something, a fire inside somebody that says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this with other people, and we're gonna do it together, and that we'll do it better together." And so I just, I don't know, I just had kind of that vision of the miners because I've seen that on TV or heard about it, I guess. I, I don't know, but it, the scrambling and the re- scrambling to recover together really was a great thing. And um, I just want to thank everybody on the line today for all the light you put in my, my darkness when I have dark days. So thanks so much. Matt, I'll pass. Oh, thanks so much, Lisa. Okay, before I take some more names, we are uh, we are in the forward to the second edition on page XBII, the second paragraph. Um, it begins, uh, a second small group promptly took shape. We're just on the one paragraph. So who would like to share? Chris W. with a K. Ken W. H. Ken? Rick, who is from Toronto? Okay. Lisa O. Hey, Lisa. Who else? I got uh, I got Chris, Lisa Ken, Lisa Rick, and Lisa. From Chicago. Wait, Chicago? Who is that from Chicago? Linda D. I got you, Linda, and I, I'm sorry. I hate to miss a name from Chicago. So only that person from Chicago. One more time. My apologies. Niji P. Midgey. Okay. All right. Let's go with that. I got Chris, Ken, Rick, uh, Lisa, Midgey, and Linda. So let's go with that and kind of see where we're at from there. Let's start with Chris, followed by Ken. Chris, good morning. Hi. Um, this is Chris W., Chris with a K from Nashville. But 
I lived, the last place was 15 years in near the Chicago. Um, <laughs> and, but I wish my story was like Melissa's where she could come back to meetings and people were the same, but meaning they were recovered because I had a heck of a time finding meetings anywhere that people were recovered. And I remember I was in Alaska for 15 years and I, there were a few times that OA came alive and then it would die out again. And um, so the pandemic absolutely changed my life for the better. And just to have so many people that I know on a personal basis and that I can reach out and share when I'm struggling. I can share when I'm having a little success here and there and that when God does something awesome in my life, I can share with people who understand. And I just, I don't really have anything else to say, but I am so grateful that um, people are in so much recovery. I, it just, it blows me away. So anyway, thank you so much for letting me share. Chris, you said a lot. You helped me there, so I appreciate that. Okay, we got Ken followed by Rick. We got the it's a, it's a guys fest here today. Ken and then Rick. What's up, Ken? Thanks, Larry. This is Ken W H from uh, Cary, North Carolina. <clears throat> um, I was in Chicago once. Does that count? That counts. <laughs> once. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm struck by uh, the fact that, one, there is no big book yet, and actually there are, are not 12 steps yet, and, um, and people are starting to recover and stay recovered. Um, and I'm, I'm aware that it uses the term, uh, the basic ideas. And I go back to the page before, <clears throat> and what are those basic ideas? Um, Moral inventory, confession of personal defects, restitution of harm of those harmed, and the necessity uh, uh, of belief in and dependence upon God. Um, that's what they started with, and, and and what I'm always reminded of when I when I uh, think about the early days is uh, there's nothing new here. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous did not bring anything new to the table that hadn't been around for millennia. And it just got codified into a, a, a kind of language that I could hear and that I could receive gracefully at times and ungracefully at other times. Uh, it took a lot of years for me to finally get here and to understand that it's the basic principles of the 12 steps that are keeping me abstinent, sober, alive today. And those basic principles are uh, eternal as far as I'm concerned. And they're there in the 12 steps. Bill, uh, the, the 12 steps are nothing new in, in, the, in the deepest sense of the word. The, the principles are... Uh, I've been around forever. Uh, they're just put in a way that I can hear them. And, and I have finally, finally, finally 
after years and years and years fussing around this 12-step program, have finally come to terms uh, with the uh, the ancientness of the uh, what I'm tapping into, and uh, that's God for me. And um, this stuff really works, and it shows that it worked uh, in Akron and New York in the early days. It works today <clears throat> in Cary, North Carolina, and even in Chicago. Um, they're still working it there, and uh, I'm so grateful. I give you thanks. Pass. Uh, thanks, Ken. All right, let's go to another guy from Cary, North Carolina. I know this guy. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? Good morning, Larry. How are you? Good, Good morning. to hear you. And uh, my name is Rick Jay. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Indeed, I am from Cary, North Carolina also, about a mile down the road from Ken. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I love that I can see all your lights shining um, through my phone. You know, and that light, you know, I love that uh, analogy because that really is what it is, um, is for me, this light that has entered the dark world, you know, my dark world. And, and my dark world was a world of, uh, of extreme emotional pain and isolation, addiction, desperation, you know, and, and my life had proceeded to the point where, you know, I'd gone, you know, beyond where I had uh, kept doing the same things, trying to get different results, which I've heard is the definition of insanity, to the other definition of insanity, which was the reality for me. And that is I was knowing exactly what was going to happen when I took this, this bite. I knew what was going to happen, and I just did it anyway because I, I didn't have any other choice. You know, I knew the pain that was coming. Everything else would just go away, and that was the world I lived in. You know, just pain, emotional pain, physical pain. And, um, you know, the first time I saw that light shining for me, it was someone carrying the message to me carrying a message that I could see that light shining, you know, and I could see their freedom. You know, that's what this light is for me probably more than anything else is, is freedom and joy. And people who are working these steps and have had a spiritual awakening and are carrying the message because that's what we do. These lights that are shining, I, I love, you know, our, uh, our porch. It's Christmas time, so I won't use that analogy with Christmas lights. But, you know, we've got these, like, lights strung up on our big screen porch. You know, and these lights are different colors. And, and I see that. I go out there, and one of those lights shining, it's beautiful. But when all those lights are connected by the same power source, they light up the whole room. And I just love that I can be one of those lights lighting up a room. And what's so heartbreaking is when you see a light that's shining and it goes out, it starts flickering and then it goes out. And I've seen so many lights go out, you know, and I today am, am going to shine my light because your light's shining for me. I don't want to go back in that darkness. You know, I'm willing to just do the things that keep my light shining. I do the things that keep me connected to that power source, to my higher power, to the God of my understanding. You know, these are things that I do. I take care of myself and I'm responsible 
and accountable for my own abstinence, my own recovery. But that light that's shining for me, I want to shine for you, you know, and together we can light up a room. So if you're in the dark, just join us. Do the things that we're doing. That's finally what I had to do is just start doing what everybody else was doing. Stop resisting and stop fighting. With that, I pass. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rick. All right, Lisa, if you tell me you're from Cary, North Carolina, I'm playing the lottery today. Lisa, good morning. Um, no, it's Lisa O from Toronto, Canada. Thank you very oh, much, phew. Larry. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Um, so I have been reflecting a lot lately about miracles. Um, I think I always have needed miracles to be like the big M Belgian whistles fireworks when there are a lot of like really little miracles that can happen and that do happen in my life. But speaking of big miracles, I think that the fact that this program even exists is a big M miracle that all of these drunks were able to get it together and create this group and then later create this book and create this phenomenon that's now all over the world and that there are so many different 12-step programs to help people. Um, when I was <clears throat> in a past life, I used to work with addicts in an emergency room setting. And I can remember very clearly, um, and I've seen thousands of times, what it's like when somebody is a hopeless drunk and what it is like to see somebody going through alcohol withdrawal. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like back in the 1930s for alcoholism to have gone from a death sentence where they were they were hopeless. If they didn't die of the DTs, they were probably going to die of um, having a seizure, perhaps hitting their heads, or they were going to end up with alcohol-induced dementia and have a life um, from a very early age where they were half of a person because of what they had done to themselves and then all of a sudden this program comes along and it really and truly was a new light that had entered a very dark world and this program in a way has been the same thing for me when before I came into program from the outside I looked like everything was fine and that my life was really good because in addition to being a compulsive overeater I'm also a compulsive exerciser so I had people would look at me and think like, wow, Lisa's really fit. And she like works out a lot and she's got it all together. But in reality, I had absolutely nothing together. And my life was a complete mess. Um, all I cared about was myself. All I cared about was how I looked. And now I'm in this world where I actually care about other people, which is in, still insane to me. And so every day blows my mind how much service I do for other people with no expectation in return and how much I do volunteering now in my community, which prior to coming into program, I never in a million years would have done, probably because it would have inter interfered with my binge time and my gym time. Um, and I also just wanted to say that the other day I had this experience, I was going to a family member's house for dinner and I wanted to stop at this really good bakery to get them a gift um, so that they could enjoy it because they're not compulsive overeaters. And this bakery was a place where when I was in my disease, I used to go regularly for binge foods and I hadn't been there since I came into program. And it was an absolute miracle that when I went in, I did not feel triggered. I did not feel like I wanted to buy anything for myself. I bought the gift and I brought it home and it sat there for a few hours until I left to go to my aunt's house. And at no point did I ever have an idea pop into my head that it would be a good idea to eat these things. And that for me is a bloody miracle. And I am so, so grateful that I'm in this program. And thank you very much for letting me share. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Okay, Midgey, it's your turn, followed by Linda D. Good morning, Midgey. You gotta press star one. 
Okay, I did. Can you hear me now? I can. Good morning. Oh, great. Uh, actually, uh, Larry, go Sox. Um, <laughs> hi. My... <laughs> uh, pass. Uh, next up is... <laughs> um, my name is Midgey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in the Chicago area. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service. You know, I thought I'd take the, the leap. Uh, I've only shared on this visions twice. This is my second time, and I've been listening for a long time. And one of the thoughts that came to me as I heard the reading is um, how during our most recent dark, dark time, this pandemic, meetings popped up all over. It's like we drew to each other, uh, even though we couldn't be in person. And my preference is always in person. I love to hug. I love to hold your hand, um, to literally walk side by side. And I'm also uh, reminded that Bill W. wrote somewhere in his writings about the fact that during the war, twos and threes asked each other, are you a friend of Bill W.? And they would get together and have little meetings. And that can happen today in airports. That can happen today traveling. Um, you know, I, I don't think you would announce, are you a friend of Roseanne? I don't know that anybody would recognize that, excepting maybe a couple of Roseannes would show up. But if you said Bill W., some 12-stepper would come in into the circle. Um, this definitely, in my opinion, is absolutely a, a God shot. At a recent uh, retreat, I heard the retreat person say a sort of a slight new version of the third step, and that is, surprise me, God, and put me where you need me today. And But she cautioned, if you pray it, be ready because something is going to happen. God is going to put you where God needs you. So uh, I think that's what happened this morning because I prayed that prayer. And here I am. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you very much. Go socks. And with that, I'll pass. <laughs> well, Midgey, we want you to share more. So I'm glad you took the leap here. And even though you're a Sox fan, it's all good. All right. Uh, n next up, someone that has no sense of humor. <laughs> hey, Linda. Good morning. Did I scare you, Linda? Good. Press star one. Good. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can. Good morning. Okay. Good morning, Larry. I'm convinced that I know you, and we've never met, but I know you and so many people on this line. I'm so happy to be here. I am amazed and thrilled and so happy to be recovered, not cured, which means I got to work, and it's a pleasure. And if it's not a pleasure, oh, well, another surprise. And I'll be guided through it because some of them are fabulous. I still need guidance. And some of them are scary to me, whether they would be scary to you or not. Um, okay. The thing that jumps out at me is um, a word that was used earlier, a few of them, about a vibration, a spark. Um, being in a mine 
and seeing lights, all I could think of was Disney's um, Seven Dwarfs, and they were whistling while they worked. And a lot of time, I'm whistling while I work, and my work is to love. That's my work, and I wouldn't know that. I didn't even, in my darkness, I didn't even know there was any hope or any light or any love. I wanted those things, but I couldn't do it. I didn't even know I had a disease. It was deadly. And there were people who knew what to do with it and what to do about it. And I got tossed and turned and upside down and brought eventually, by by being in OA, because I've been here a long time, to uh, something that hadn't existed, which was a new meeting, a new type of meeting. And it's not a cult. It's just a very healthy OA meeting, and I'm in it right now, which means your family. And I'm learning how to love and be loved and be intimate with people. And there are people on this line that I've never met in person, but I know them in my blood and bones. And you're one of them, Larry. And there are others on the line, dear to me beyond, I could cry right now. I love you so much. Imagine I can love, and you know what? I can love me. Yes, that is such a prize. And learn how to let that grow. And that that's what life is about. It's about God, love. I pass. Uh, thanks, Linda. Well, we're going to see each other in Newark or whenever they get this thing going, right? The next one. Um, so anyways, we got time for two more shares. Who would like to jump in? Nancy Arwin. Hey, Nancy. And Harlan. That's, that's a good way to end. So I'm going to go, I'm going to start with someone who's really from Chicago and then some guy that <laughs> pretends to be from Chicago. Nancy, it's so nice to hear you. Thank you, Larry. It's always good to hear you. My name is Nancy Allen, and I'm truly a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. The, uh, the words that stuck out for me were scattered. It reminded me of my 20-year journey uh, working in the Boston area. I used to work in a summer program, and uh, we would be located at different universities. And, and each summer, I never knew where we were going to be. And, but whenever I would get there, Get settled, I would find out where the local OA meeting was. It was always an OA meeting. And uh, I mean, some of them were in strange places. When I walked in, people would look at me like, How did you get here? It didn't matter. I always was able to find a meeting because at the time, many, many of those trips I was asking it, but I wasn't recovering. But what I did have in my hand was a faculty. Uh, get all you can eat cards to the TV or cafeteria, and I knew, I knew that uh, I had to find an OA meeting so as not to spend the whole summer binging. Uh, so uh, I am so grateful that today there are meetings scattered all around the world, and no matter where I go, I can find one. And cruising is one of my favorite activities, and whenever I get on a ship. The first thing I look for on that itinerary is when the, where the friends of Bill W. will meet. And uh, thank you for letting me share 
thank you for your service there. Uh, thanks, Nancy. All right, Pretender, Chicago Pretender. <laughs> uh, uh, good morning. Thanks, Larry. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, but I'm born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, crown jewel of the Midwest. Throughout all of our lives, everyone on this line right now, throughout all of our lives, Alcoholics Anonymous has been a national institution. And today there are meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous in 170 countries. Overeaters Anonymous has been around throughout all or most of our lives. It was something that came about in 1960, 62 years ago. So sometimes we can take for granted that this paragraph is just not that important. But for thousands of years, alcoholic men were jailed and institutionalized. And they were sterilized against their will and ostracized. And because of the limited amount of opportunity that women had for thousands of years, their families were left destitute. There was nowhere for them to go. Medicine could not help them. Religion could not help them. Cutting into their brains would not help them. And so their situation was more horrible than most of us can imagine. Insane asylums. They were put in insane asylums. And they had it really good compared to women alcoholics. Involuntary, involuntary lobotomy. Involuntary hysterectomies, stonings, shunnings. This was the lot of the alcoholic for thousands of years. When I was nine years old, I was put on amphetamines, heavy-duty amphetamines, by a screaming doctor who screamed at me and screamed at my mother about how fat I was getting. I was nine years old. I was 10 years old. They switched the pills. I have been screamed at and misunderstood, and I have been an object of ridicule throughout most of my life until recovery. There is a place to go. There is a place that we can be understood because I, along with you, had nowhere to go. Who could understand why we ate the way we ate, why we did the things we did? No one. And now there's a place where they speak and understand the language of the heart, and there is a place where there is an answer. How lucky we are. How lucky we are that there is a place that has a method that is tried and true. And on page 88 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the most important sentences ever read or written, it says it works. It really does. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Harlan. Okay, good way to close. And, and thank you to everyone who's uh, participated today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that's going to immediately follow our closing. 
Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That number is 18,629. That's 18629. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. We're going to follow that with the serenity prayer. So Nancy T., would you read uh, a vision for you for us? Good morning. It's Lisa, Thank Larry. You. I was supposed to read it. Oh, it's Lisa. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, Lisa, you're right. Thanks. I'm so sorry. I Did jumped I? in. I'm so oh, maybe... sorry. I got all confused. I apologize. Okay. Nancy. Okay. That's all right. You're confusing me. Okay, Nancy, your turn. All right. Can I be heard? Yes. Perfect. Hello? Okay. Oh, great. All right. Um, Nancy T., gratefully recovered compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And I'll pass.